Hey guys, welcome back to the OPD podcast with your host Joe Jeffrey and Austin Stout. We have a very special guest this week. I've been excited for this one, it's really cool because Caitlin, honestly, we've only been on like jokey podcasts, but I really want to dig into some bodybuilding stuff with you. Um, so why don't you introduce yourself and then I'll let everyone know why I wanted to get you on here. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'll introduce myself properly because I probably didn't do it that well on uh, the Carbs Gas podcast. So um, I'm 17 years old and I'm a figure competitor. Um, I've been competing since I was 16. I started my first prep at 15. Um, and yeah, well, I've got goals to become the youngest British pro ever. So I guess uh, that's that's me, really. <laughs> yeah, super cool because... Essentially, what we're talking about is a very talented young physique athlete with obviously amazing genetics, but also the fact that you're so young and, you, and you're clearly so intelligent. Like when I was your age, I was like an ape. Like I was an ape. <laughs> and it's great that an we can sit down and have a, a real like intellectual conversation and you clearly know what you're doing. And even in the capacity of you coaching others at this stage at such a young age, it's pretty cool. Um, so last year, competitive wise, young, natural, and you were waxing people that were enhanced, which is um, pretty cool. Why don't you give us a rundown of how you got into sort of bodybuilding in the first place and what your sort of nutrition training and stuff like that looked like? Yeah, so um, sort of started when I was probably about 13. Um, so most teenage girls I feel like at some point they either go through a phase where they've got a really bad relationship with food and I sort of did um and I think I got I remember tracking my weight and I got down to something like 77 pounds I think that's like 35 kilos um and I don't know one day all of a sudden I just was like no I'm not really happy with this and that's what like I never really moaned about it because there's there's not much like at the end of the day I've always thought if you're not happy with something about yourself, just go and do something about it. So went to the gym, wasn't old enough to go to the gym. So I got some dumbbells and literally just uh, trained at home, like everyone is doing now, to be honest, um, until I was old enough to go to the gym. Um, then I started going to the gym at 14. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. Went in, um, supersets everything, like four sets of 20, everything, just so I could get a pump. Um, and although I, I, it sound, in my head it sounds weird to say, but for some reason I responded quite well to training. So within like about three months, um, all of a sudden, my back especially just blew up. Um, then I went from a commercial gym, so like your pure gyms, um, I don't know what it is in America, like a Planet Fitness sort of thing, um, to like more of a bodybuilding gym. And at that point, the owners sort of took me under their wing. Um, and that led me to my first show because the owner helped me out with that. <laughs> we did a, an eight-week prep, which probably wasn't ideal in the slightest, but stepped on stage uh, after eight weeks and somehow managed to win my class. And uh, that was sort of, I guess you could say, in like the American equivalent, that was open figure because they don't do like you know age classes in right. uh, yeah. in figure over here anyway i think they do like teen do they do teen nationals and stuff in america yeah they have but that's a separate that's a separate show like if you went to a typical um regional level show 
you'd, you'd see, you'd, you'd probably see novice or, right. and then open. And then you might see at a, at a big, at a big show, you might see like a teenage division, but not often. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was sort of the equivalent of an open division. Um, like I say, somehow managed to win that. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, it was British finals. And I thought, oh, you know what, let's do it. And I managed to come second at British finals. And um, then after that, after I'd competed, that's when it sort of clicked. And I actually started training properly because prior to that, it was sort of using my fitness pal, you know, eating whatever I wanted as long as it's hit the sort, sort of um, the numbers that I had in my head. Um, and wasn't training with a progressive overload approach at all. Um, so then after that, I got myself a coach, uh, did like a five-month off-season, uh, tried to gain as much muscle as I wanted because I wanted to compete again when I was 17 um, and competed this year. Uh, I ended up doing seven shows, which was definitely, in hindsight, way too many, but I knew that I was going to be taking a really long off-season this time round so I thought right let's let's try and uh, work out how my body responds to food um, and see like just kind of experiment because when I go for the the shows that I know mean are going to mean a lot more to me for example trying to get a pro card I want to be able to nail it um, so yeah did all my, did all my shows um, I did pretty well I think I got a, a first uh, two seconds a third and a sixth um and then that sort of brought me up to here now on uh, off season for at least another year and uh, yeah that's me <laughs> cool do you quickly want to let everyone know what federations you competed in yeah so this year i did pca um and then i've done naba as well and i've done ukup cool so a, a sort of main topic i want to talk about here and it sounds a little bit ironic considering how young you are, but I want to talk about really what you've learned over your time and your experience training, because to put this in context, you're so young, but you are very well experienced because you also started way younger than most people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Something you just mentioned was your nutrition, how you went from maybe sticking to a calorie and protein goal, or if it fits your macros, to whatever you're doing now. Can you let us know kind of how that's evolved and what you've seen in terms of physique progress? Yeah, so I think in a weird way, nutrition as well as training, I'm really glad that I didn't come into it knowing all that I know now, because if I'd have used all of the knowledge that I know now, potentially I wouldn't have that in my arsenal, if that makes sense. Um, so when I first started, it was sort of eat whatever. I knew I was in a surplus because I was gaining weight. But obviously, that isn't as efficient because um, I wouldn't have been looking at or thinking about, you know, nutrient, um, you know, when to time nutrients and stuff like that. So in, in a weird way, I'm really glad that I sort of started off just trying to hit a calorie goal as opposed to actually thinking about nutrition um, and where to place certain foods. So, yeah, I only really sort of started learning about nutrition and the way it sort of works on that first competition prep, um, just from seeing the way it, it, you know, it affects your body. Because I think it's all well and good knowing all this knowledge, uh, 
but if you can't actually apply it and if you've never actually experimented it with it yourself uh, then it is is quite hard to you know put put on paper how it sort of works um but yeah it, it's been a lot of experimentation and i think i know my body quite well now but um obviously the, the, there's nothing that there's there's no stopping sort of knowledge uh, that i can i can learn right so potentially for a young listener that's maybe just getting into bodybuilding looking at yeah. people like you your advice would be in terms of like adherence just to keep things really simple from the beginning and don't get you know lost in the weeds of um nutrient timing and specific macronutrient ratios and things like this just just get started kind of thing yeah absolutely and i i hate it when people sort of bash uh using science and um and you know looking at scientific research which clearly is you know really evidence-based but i think when it comes to beginning your sort of bodybuilding journey or career and especially if you're young i would veer away from that to begin with just because you know where have you got to go from from there it's it's like anything really if you go in with the most perfect nutrition plan ever of course it's going to bring bring about results but i i, I don't know it, it it doesn't really make sense saying it out loud but just from experience people who have just pushed up and got really strong and good at the basics um just from you know eating a lot of food i've seen that they've sort of made good use of their their younger years i think it makes perfect sense and it echoes exactly what me and austin spoke about on the last podcast in terms of like his off season basically like nail those and you can't not grow and also in mm. terms of like I, I completely agree with you in terms of the evidence-based approach because, you know, we could give this 14-year-old the, the most perfect nutrient timing approach, but if it's too confusing and they don't do it, then they yeah. might not be doing anything else. And also, in terms of, like, a novel stimulus, how much more are they really going to get by doing things that way as opposed to just doing just about anything? They're going to respond to it, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's kind of like the idea of, you know, it's kind of like the idea of a PED user, right? You're not going to use every tool right at the beginning. I mean, you can, if, if you, if you add new training stimulus and you start eating at a calorie surplus and you're a new trainee and you don't grow muscle, you're, I wouldn't bodybuild like, <laughs> at all, you know, like it pretty much anyone should grow at that point. So yeah, I agree. Don't, but, but now, you know, difference is now there's so much information available right so people are kind of overwhelmed when they dive into it and they see people trying to optimize everything which is great in the right context mm. it's great for you know for someone that's advanced but you know when i when i started lifting and joe started lifting it really wasn't like that in order to find that kind of information you had to dig really deep into forums and things like that like you weren't you weren't just going to jump online and and find it it wasn't there so yeah that's kind of how everyone started at some point right <laughs> 10 10 15 20 years ago like everyone started like that yeah i'm glad that i'm not sort of starting bodybuilding now in a way because it's like information overload like austin when me and you started and it was just forums and really it was like only speaking unless you're spoken to and you wouldn't dare question a lot of the stuff on there and you know, it was very basic information, you know, 
live heavy, progressive overload, eat loads of food. And there was some nuance in there, some somehow in some way. But, you know, I'm glad I'm not sort of logging onto Facebook these days, starting bodybuilding and seeing a million different research papers thrown at me with how much volume, frequency and intensity and blah, 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 blah. Like, I think that would be too much for me, you know? So I think- yeah, I am. Um- I completely agree with that. It's like uh, when I go onto Instagram nowadays, literally anyone, someone who might have started the gym a month ago, for some reason thinks that they are able to post an Instagram post and tell everyone what is the best way. And I, even with training and you know doing shows and having quite quite a good competitive season, I, I wouldn't dare do that just because. I know that there's so like obviously there's quite a lot that I know, but there's there's way more that I don't know, and it just yeah, it it, it does frustrate me. I, I think I think it's cool that people have a lot of knowledge, but yeah, I, I wouldn't dare post something like that unless I was you know um, I don't I don't even know how to explain it, but yeah, I just wouldn't dare post something like that nowadays. Right, and and it goes even a step further in that you can acquire all that knowledge and the nuances but it, applying it is a whole different story like who do it it's like who should i apply this approach to and who should i apply yeah. this approach to and, and that kind of stuff is really just learned right you just can't there's no way to really replicate that by reading you just have to learn it i mean you can read about people's experience gather information but until you do it it's not it's not really applicable so you can because you know because people want to push out their information and say that this is the way that you should do it when really we know that there's a hundred thousand different ways to do everything it's just yeah you know it's just a matter of it's and joe joe i'm sure will agree the more the more that i do this the more i help people the more that i say it depends on <laughs> you know on stuff that like on answering a question I'm like it depends and, and the more you learn, the more it depends because the more situations that you're going to run through, it's the same with, it's the same with you. Like the more shows that you do, the more off seasons that you have, you might find like what, what you did in your last off season won't work in this one and so on and so forth. Mm. It's just, it always changes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this off season already, I'm probably about 10 pounds heavier. Um, and I'm only five foot tall. So 10 pounds goes quite a, a long way, but, I'm I'm leaner than I ever was last off season, but I think one of the one of the things that I've sort of touched on before is I was so so scared of getting quote unquote fat this time round because last off season I probably pushed it too far, um, and knowing what I know now, part of that off season maybe wasn't optimized as much as it could have been. But like I say, looking back on it, I'm grateful that I know that now rather than before because I'd have been stressing before if I'd got myself into that position and thought how how do I get away from this luckily I had a prep so I could sort of start from baseline so to speak again um but yeah no it, it, it's, it's one of them things like I it, the body's so interesting and um yeah I'm still learning but until then I, I won't be putting anything out necessarily you know preaching any methods because I don't think there is one method for anyone at all Yep, for sure. The old biological inter-individuality that everyone hates to hear about <laughs> comes with experience. But this is what's so cool about your situation, being that you are so young, but you have so much experience. So with all that said, 
this is going to be highly individual to you, but I'd love to hear some things that you've changed so far in your bodybuilding career that you've seen benefit from. It could be training, nutrition, supplementation, whatever. Yeah, okay. So, um, like, like I've mentioned, for some reason my back seems to grow really, really well. So in terms of training, it, to be honest, most of my upper body, I, I could do anything, and that sounds quite cocky, but for some reason it'll grow. However, with my legs, they are a weak point, so that's something that I really have to... I've had to work on execution and um, they, they respond better to heavier weight, low reps, um, which is quite interesting that just below the waistline, for some reason, there's a change. I don't know why, but, you know, there's a change in how my muscles respond. Um, and then in terms of nutrition, I think it is, I don't know what it is about my body, but in off season, I can grow. That's one thing I can do, but I know for a fact that I can't get lean easily at all. I did a 26-week prep. By the end of it, yeah, I was lean, but I wasn't, like, shredded. Um, and it's, it's one of the things that I'm going to have to really consider. Um, and, like, you know, tw if after 26 weeks, whether it's going to be a case of getting leaner earlier on and then maybe dropping... Um, then sort of like going into the show a lot easier because I for this this sh these shows that I've had to done um I've had to sort of diet into the shows which um by the end of that I had lost a lot of muscle so yeah it, it is a really weird one I I think what next time it comes to prep um I'm definitely going to have to look into ways that I could potentially preserve muscle because yeah I can grow but that's all, all well and good if you can retain the muscle, which is sort of the issue that um, I'm going to have to try and figure out somewhere or another. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's cool because it gives you some experimentation for the future, right? So yeah. you know that you can get the muscle. It's about mm. preventing the proteolysis on the way down, but maximizing yeah. the fat loss at the same time. So maybe, yeah, that's just going to take some experimentation with some different protocols to to suss out you can do that with your coach i'm sure and that'd be really yeah, cool yeah so training wise you mentioned changing the reps and the load and stuff so as compared to when you started training and then the response then and what you do now can we get some sort of specifics maybe on how you periodize your training or anything like this yeah okay so um when i first started training um i don't know how but it was very much bro and for some reason, back ended up being like hit three times a week. So obviously that was getting a lot of volume. Um, but but also that sort of grew quite a lot. I think I was training legs probably twice a week and then shoulders and chest sort of thing twice a week as well. So everything was getting hit pretty frequently. Um, but it'd be a case of going in and n not knowing what I was going to do. It'd be like, oh, I'm going to squat one day. Uh, another day it'll be oh I'll deadlift that sort of thing didn't use a logbook um, and then once I've sort of learned about um, sort of rep ranges that may work but I, I experimented and over a sort of period of time I found that the, the usual work and back offset um, works pretty well for all of all of my body so from delts to legs to back it all works in that sort of regard um but the biggest thing that i've definitely worked on is training intensity um 
because at the end of the day, I think you can, what, whatever it is that you're doing, especially in this sort of current climate, as long as you're applying a lot of intensity, it doesn't matter because, you know, what is it that we're doing at the end of the day? We're breaking down muscle and then we're sort of rebuilding it from a really simplistic um, sort of point of view. So, yeah, it's, it's the training intensity. And over the years, I think fil filming my sessions has also worked a lot. Um, and being exposed to training videos online, that's helped me a lot as well, just because the, the neurological capacity for training is something that I'm still yet to master. And I think the majority of people are still yet to master. Um, I was watching some of Austin's training videos because he's got a nice setup and so, some of them, you know, people would have stopped doing, I think it was a leg press set about, 10 reps ago but you just kept going so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think think that's one one of the biggest things um as long as you've got you know perfect form training intensity at the end of the day I think the rep range and your style whether you're doing muscle rounds whether you're doing the standard um working back off set whether you're sort of a drop set superset person as long as you've got that training intensity and taking it to muscular failure I think you, sh you should re see results and if you're not there's something going wrong whether it's nutrition execution or just whether you're underestimating how sorry overestimating how intense you're training here's a question for you as joe and i talked about this about the relationship between uh like volume and um execution intensity and that normally when your execution is better and the neurological connection is better you're getting a lot more out of less volume. Have you noticed that as you've gotten better at training in terms of execution, in terms of like feeling every rep that you've, that you can feel, um, I don't want to use the word fatigue, but you can, you can feel kind of the muscular exhaustion quicker within a session. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I remember when I used to train when I was younger, uh, doing a lap pull down, let's say I would sort of be yanking it, but, I didn't do that for a while and then I came back to it. Now I sort of understand the mechanics of a lap pull down and the movement feels completely different. Right. It, it, it's so weird, like actually knowing what's pulling it. And I think if you can understand what it is that's pulling it or pushing it or pressing it, you know, I, you can connect better. And then I think your progression is you're actually going to get stronger at the movement. Even if you have to sort of move back, you will then make a lot of steps forward. So yeah, I, I definitely think that um, you know that neurological collect connection, sort of quote unquote mind muscle connection, which you know, if you if you, if you don't feel your muscle working, then I guess you could argue why are you doing that exercise? Right, and it's it's also a matter of like uh, effective reps, right? I mean, uh, like a more someone that has a better neurological connection, someone that's a little more seasoned, that rep one, they're still going to feel rep one, right, in the set, yeah. whereas someone that's a beginner, if they're doing 12 reps, they might not even feel anything until rep 10. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, and at which point, all they're really feeling is just a little bit of that metabolite buildup, right, in the mm. muscle. So, um, yeah, so that's something, that's something we talked about a lot uh, in terms of training and, and, and why looking at research is so is so skewed because um the stronger someone gets the better neurological connection they have it obviously that cuts into your recovery ability 
So, you know, someone that's more advanced might actually be able to handle less in terms yes. of volume than someone that's not advanced, which would seem counterintuitive when you think of more advanced, oh, they would be able to do more, which is normally not the case. Mm, I, no, I, I do agree. I mean, I used to train six days a week, so it'd be Monday to Saturday, no rest. Um, and then now I'm pretty much doing, well, I was doing push, pull, rest, legs, rest. And that's only like training four days a week sometimes just because of how it lands. And I've never seen my, my body sort of grow as much. So yeah, I definitely think rest. Yeah. The, the more, yeah, the higher the training age, the more rest you definitely need. Yeah, it's funny, it's funny because you'll get people that, anyone that says that they they don't like rest days or don't embrace rest days probably haven't trained that hard yeah <laughs> yeah oh for sure i had this um conversation with a client the other day like exactly on this like we've been working together three years now i'm um, just over three years and we were talking about his training just like we are now and we mapped out his volume over time and it's literally just linearly gone down like as he's got bigger <laughs> like exactly right. yeah so, <laughs> you know and it's the same with anybody i think like it's, i've been posting these kind of home workouts that i've been doing on instagram even i've got a barbell and dumbbells and stuff and I'm like one set why are you doing one set it's like no no this isn't like one of your sets like <laughs> this is you know because after one set i'm smoked there's no way i'm even right. getting close right yeah like, even some people saying oh you train four times a week i'm like if i wanted to train more than four times a week I couldn't it just wouldn't be effective like it wouldn't you know yeah you could do more you could you can do 10 sets of failure in your workout but only one of those sets is going to be have any type of load the other nine sets are going to be terrible yeah exactly you know so it, I, I mean i know there's times where i'll do straight sets and i i literally i would have it programmed to do a back down but i don't even do it because i, I would literally have to like do 20 percent of the weight like it's not yeah. even going to do anything Hmm. Yes. we're training you know, similarly at the minute Austin. yeah yeah it's i mean it, it works it's easy and it's it's easy to uh quantify the progression because you know what you need to do so and and you know up the point that you made just about form right you know once as long as execution is good um as long as the neurological connection is good i mean it's you're going to progress and if you don't you probably shouldn't bodybuild i <laughs> should yeah. do something else <laughs> Yeah. So, Caitlin, you said you you were doing push pull off legs off. Is that a yeah. work like in the past? Are you doing something different now? Yeah. So, um, I've recently got a new coach, and we've sort of transitioned into uh, an upper lower split. Um, and you know, at first, I was I was a little bit like reluctant just because I've been doing push pull legs for so long, and it has been working for so long. I have, I can't really comment on the upper lower split yet because of only been doing it for about a week um but it's tailored more to me so um there's a there's a lot of leg work um there's a decent amount of shoulder work but back volume as a whole has been reduced dramatically because and this is something that annoys me as well when people say that they've got a lagging body part but for some reason my back is a dominant body part and it's sort of throws off the rest of my body um but I, I do love training back so it's quite bittersweet but i know that i do, I, when i step on stage i don't want to make everything else look smaller mm. um 
so yeah it's 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 there's a lot of rest still that nothing's changed in regards to that it's just um been programmed more specific to myself and i've tried to not let my emotional connection to training um you know impede my you know progression because i, I if it was up to me i would keep deadlifting until I couldn't deadlift anymore but at that point my back would be massive and everywhere else would just look pretty crap yeah and I think that's fair assessment in your case like the size that you are and the class that you're in because usually when somebody says you know I've got a lagging body part it's usually like the rest of you is just small like, yeah yeah you know you still got to train everything get it all up first I think but mentioning that in terms of the class that you're in do you have goals to move up class no, so I, I do appreciate physique. Uh, I think it is a beautiful class when done right, but figure is it is that's my only aim. And the 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 big things about figure is proportion and symmetry. And yeah, I could have a really good uh, sort of lat spread um, V taper, but as soon as I turn around, if like the whole of my legs, my glutes, my hamstrings. Um, you know, from behind the quad sweep just looks tiny compared to my back, then I I know I will get penalised eventually. And it, they do also look for that extremely feminine look and that's getting awarded more and more, which is brilliant. But if I start getting, you know, a bigger back, that could sort of potentially look less feminine. And um, that at the end of the day, that isn't figure anymore. It just isn't. Yeah, I agree. And to be fair, from where... You, you're competing in figure like in the PCA for example if we looked up yeah. to Olympia level that's still a jump anyway so it's not like you're, yes yeah oh yeah of course yeah you're limited like yeah that's that's cool still got a, yeah. like a good road ahead of you then I'd, I'd be thinking like shit I'm 17 like I'm done <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah. I mean probably... I, I know I've got a lot of muscle to gain but it's just doing it at a rate that is proportional to my whole body which it's, it's going to be hard to do, but, you know, uh, I'll make it work. I'll make it work. Yeah, for sure. So I'm guessing, hey, what we haven't mentioned, how are you sort of kitted out um, to do your sort of training at home whilst we're quarantined? Yeah, so luckily um, I've got access to a barbell. I've got um, plates. I've got some more plates coming, so... I'll have probably about 120 to 140 kilos of plates. Um, I've got uh, 22 kilo dumbbells, but they're a bit too light, so I need to get some of them. Uh, I've got some resistance bands, um, and uh, I've got stuff to do like T-bar rows. I've got a lot of attachments. Uh, I don't have a squat rack, but I have some wheelie bins. So, um, yeah, I've, I've got what I think should be absolutely fine. Um, I'm glad because it, it makes me do all the basic movements. So... You know, for back, you've got your deadlifts, barbell rows, T-bar rows, dumbbell, uh, dumbbell rows. Uh, for shoulder shoulders, I've got my bands to do, um, you know, cuffed laterals, shoulder press. I, I've got everything that I need. So in that sense, I am quite lucky um, to, to keep on progressing, um, especially because I've got, I've got enough weight as well. So I'm not that stressed at the minute. Yeah, that's more than enough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. With your with your genetics anyway, you could just do a bit of banded work every other day and you'd be all right. <laughs> I don't know about that. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so how are you kind of handling the, the quarantine thing in terms of stress? Have you got any advice for, you know, young people listening? Because mostly my messages, I don't know, Austin, if you're the same, have been from people in that sort of 17 to 20 age range, freaking out about losing games and not getting to the gym, et cetera, et cetera. Have you got any sort of advice that you could reel off to people on this? Yeah. So initially when I, when I heard uh, Boris on the news, I was, to be honest, I was stressing out a lot to begin with, um, just because I think I think everyone does. That's a natural reaction when you've got something that is um, a big part of your life taken away from you. Obviously, that's going to be anyone's reaction. Um, but it's just a case of thinking. At the end of the day, how like people that sort of age there is literally no rush um muscle memory is a beautiful thing um and if you can just sort of stimulate your muscle your muscles you'll be fine if you're eating enough you'll be fine like it is is as much as it's going to be like I, I don't know about you but i've had uh, days where i've been thinking oh everything's fine and then other days i'm thinking oh I, I should be in the gym this week i should have been hitting these numbers but um i've just in in my uh, short lived life i've just realized don't stress about what you can't control like i i can't control that there's a pandemic on so why am i going to stress like it, it's just not worth it it's hard to accept but don't stress about what you can't control that's all I mean, i'm thinking really, about really i think that's a great point don't stress about what you can't control because you know we can sit at home as much as we like going oh should be in the gym doing this deadlift or that but yeah. what you can do about it yeah i mean to be honest i think for people our age it's probably the best thing ever because i was going to I was about to start getting really close to my A-levels and that would have brought a lot of stress around. So the fact that they're gone, I I have nothing to stress about. So this is almost in, in, in a way sort of the best thing that could have happened in terms of my off season because I can sleep for 12 hours if I want to. I can go on walks when I want to. I can train when I want to. I can eat when I want to. There's nothing disrupting it. So I, I think you just got to look at the positives, like how how stressed can we really get in this sort of time, especially 17 to 20 year olds. You're probably living with your parents. You probably don't have a job. And if you did, you weren't relying on it. So like in the grand scheme of things, this is almost the perfect opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. Look at the positives. That's good advice. Um, so you you um, you didn't even have to sit your exams, did you? No. <laughs> yeah. So I'm quite happy about that. <laughs> So big weight off your shoulder, you get even longer off. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got until September now. Uh, I don't know what the equivalent of A-levels is in, in America. What's that? What is it? Equivalent of what? A-levels. A-level. So uh, like the end of high school, so to speak, before you go to university or college, whatever you, is that what it's called? College? Yeah, like we, it'll just be high school and college. So most people would graduate high school right around 17 or 18. Okay. Is there an exam that you do then? Um, no. So there's not, we have, we have like um, statewide exams that each state kind of sets forth for people to take, but they don't, they don't take them in their final year of high school. They take them around the middle of high school oh, okay. for whatever reason. I'm not really sure. I have no idea why, <laughs> but, uh, everything's based on requirements uh, credits that you earn throughout each year so right oh, okay that's interesting yeah but yeah so basically all of that all of the credits that people would have to work towards 
and whatever they've been working on for two 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 plus years we don't have to do it <laughs> yeah well it's well which is is good i know but i know some people like i had a couple clients that were in college and they had they were about to graduate and they had uh, like different exams and stuff they had to take to, in order to get their degree and the facilities that like let's say they were in healthcare they had to do on-site clinical stuff you know where they're like working with yeah. people yeah um like a lot of this stuff was getting canceled and uh I, I had one client that had been in college for nine years to get her phd and they canceled oh, it wow. so she doesn't even know when she can get she can finish yeah yeah you know, like, it's, as much as much as i'm sort of saying it's it's a good thing it, it is quite gutting because I've been working for like two, well, technically all, all of my life. And I'm, I think other than, I think it was like 18 something. So like in the, in the 18th something, they canceled A-levels and they haven't done that since. So I'm going to be one of the only years to have not actually done it, which it's in a way, it's quite sad. Yeah, it's, but again, like you said, you know, it is out of your control. So yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and there's, frankly, there's people in a lot worse situations right oh, now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it is, it's, it's interesting. It's, um, it's one of those situations too, where it's very easy to, it's, and I always say this is very easy to do things and execute in your daily life or in the gym or whatever, when everything's going right. That's not hard. Mm. It's not difficult when you're motivated or whatever. You know, it's, that's not hard to do. So it's interesting to see people's character during something that's a little more challenging, right? See yes. how people react. Um, you mean, because you can go right on social media, see the tone, the tone changes immediately. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because I've had several of my clients that are doing like the home workouts, bands, dumbbells, things like that. I can always tell the ones that are typically the people that executed training well and were training intensely before they reported back within the first week. Oh my gosh, I'm so sore. You know, I'm yeah. so sore or it's because it's a different stimulus, you know, it's a little more metabolic work and kind mm -hmm. of bait because you know, you you don't have as much tension you don't have as much weight to load on. But, um, but to your point, it's plenty of stimulus, right? It's not, it's not like, it's not like unless you just sit home and do nothing that you're not going to just wither away and lose all your tissue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So especially it's odd like people that use anabolics worrying about losing muscle. It's like, Oh my God. Look at bacon studies where like people literally sit in bed and take and get bigger than people that are training. Like, what are you talking about? It's psychological. And even in, even in detraining, you know, I mean, we've seen studies on detraining, like detraining athletes and studies on like reducing the amount of work that you're doing. And yeah, I mean, you would, you would just have to do nothing and then regress nutrition wise in order to lose muscle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. And it's, but you know what, there will be those people, there will be those people that they, they can't go to the gym. So they're gonna, they think that it's a waste of time and they will, they'll sit home. They won't do anything. They won't have any type of nutritional adherence and they'll, they'll lose muscle and they'll look worse. Mm -hmm. It'll happen. But 
to each their own, I suppose. Well, if anything, there's an opportunity. There's loads of stuff we could be working on in this time. Sure. Yeah. Lazy just to stop, like, even physique goals. Like, hey, I'm going to get my waist super tight this phase. And I'm, you know, I'm going to do that by this way and get my aerobic capacity highest it's ever been or whatever, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, you can, if you work with clients too, I mean, you can kind of see where people's heads are at. Like I, I would say a good majority of the clients, they saw they, the situation, it happened and they said, okay, so what do we need to do? How can we improve? What can we do now? And that's, that's a good response. Like that's what you want to see versus, you know, the opposite response of only looking at the negative of the situation and, and freaking out. And if, you know, it's no coincidence that all those people are, there's certain people that aren't handling it very well. And there's others that are still making progress in some area, like Joe said. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. And it gets, at least for me, like it gets easier as time goes on to sit back and evaluate situations like that rationally, you know, and not like I can, I can take five days off from the gym now and, I'm good. It won't bother me. Yeah. If I would have, like it, you know, I, I can take a Monday through Friday off if I'm beat up. It's not going to bother me. I could take longer if I needed to. But if I would have done that, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, I would have had a hard time doing it mentally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I wouldn't have been able to take time off at all. So bringing it back to the topic, Caitlin, is that sort of something that you'd recommend people get better at? Like, in terms of being younger because I've done this and I know Austin you've done this I've I've gone from being absolutely obsessed with like efficiency and optimality to being very much more relaxed and not worried with things that are out of my control like you mentioned is that a skill that you'd recommend learning yeah yeah absolutely so it's it's but the way that I've sort of learned stuff it's not been a going out of my way and thinking about it 24 7 although i do think you know bodybuilding is my life at the end of the day it is it's more like i get sent my training plan my nutrition plan and i sort of do it and then from there instead of going about and looking at research papers it's more i am the research paper um and you know it yeah just learning what's optimal for me because i know at first it won't be optimal but seeing it progress um because at the end of the day why why do you really care what anyone else is doing it's such a weird sport in the fact that we are you know so obsessed with what other people are doing we're people and i i know that they do they'll scroll through instagram look at what other people are doing i mean i see people who will put up a breakfast and then other people will tag them in that doing the exact same thing. It's, it's just so weird, this yeah. sport. And I, I, I've n- I never really got my head around that, but yeah, just, uh, I, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on it really. Like, although like, like you say, research papers are brilliant. I think the best research paper is yourself. Oh yeah. Hey, that's a pretty good quote. <laughs> still it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like the, the saying success leaves clues, which is, it's true, but in bodybuilding, it's only true to a pretty small extent, I think. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's it, like, <laughs> there's a yeah, lot of, yeah. <laughs> it, because the problem, you know, the problem there is that some of the most successful people 
aren't really successful for the reasons that you think I'm not discrediting anyone. Like obviously there's people that there's people that are high level that work very hard. Um, but we also know that there's a lot of people high level that got there because they, they're just good and they have, you know, good genetics. And that's just not, that's just not the vast majority of people. Like you can't, you can't take the top, the top 5% and make any type, draw any type of conclusion as to how you should train and eat. That's not, it's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous way to look at it, but you know, people still do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's another good sort of golden nugget for the younger people, because I did this when I first started training, I thought, okay, who do I want to look the most like? And I looked at <laughs> Frank McGrath and I was like, okay, that's what I want to look like. So I literally Googled his training plan. I printed it off and I just did it because I thought I'd look like him, you know? So yeah, it's not necessarily about mimicking, but rather, you know, trying things out, taking note of the response and then moving from there rather than just doing maybe what your hero does, you know? Yeah, I mean, even even myself saying saying earlier that training intensity is paramount. I have, you know, I've I've observed, you know, on YouTube videos the top Olympians training, just going in and getting a pump, and it's, it is infuriating. But at the end of the day, what you know, why, why should why should you really care if that works for them? Then why would they want to do more? You know, that might make them their body more stressed if they were putting it under such you know um you know stresses from training and that that's probably why they uh, can recover so much and grow because they're, they're not absolutely killing themselves in the gym but then again it's also genetics as well it is it's a really weird one yeah firstly you're not allowed to complain about anyone's genetics um yeah <laughs> okay okay <laughs> <laughs> secondly yeah i think you're right but i will say if you absolutely want to guarantee growth at least in my experience, I've never met anyone that increase in their training intensity hasn't improved their growth response. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the things where yeah. they don't have to train that intense to grow. But if they did, that would be something else. Mm. Mm. Agree. Absolutely agree. I'm trying to think of anything else that um, we can kind of talk about here. Oh, since shows are cancelled for the time being, you you were taking this year off anyway, weren't you? Yeah, so luckily I was taking this whole year off. Um, so when I say that I was quite disheartened that the gyms had shut, I was. But I, I could have been, what was it, two weeks out, some people, one week out. Could have been a lot worse. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah. Um, so however long this is going to be, two, three, four months, it, you know, it's it in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to be that that bad. It's probably going to be really helpful um, to myself. But yeah, no no shows this year. Um, I think from the, the the plan that we had in place, it was sort of off season up until end of June, July. Uh, then we're going to do sort of an, an aggressive cut, potentially July, September. Um, a little bit of a, a mini off season, pushing up until the end of the year. And then it is go time uh, when the show show dates sort of get released. Really, mm-hmm. I've got a last sort of question with you that we can close off the podcast on. Okay. Last topic. So, a lot of people that are coming into bodybuilding, I know that you're very experienced, but you're still very young. So I'm kind of reeling it back to how people can, because people are going to look at you 
being your age and identify with you and want to sort of mimic what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. These people are going to start looking, you know, again, another difference from when me and Austin were younger. These people, the first thing they're thinking is, okay, I need to get a coach. You know, whereas I remember when online coaching first happened, I'd already been bodybuilding for years, so had Austin, and it was really people like Skip Hill, I'm pretty sure, or Dante might have been the first online coach ever, maybe. <laughs> He's definitely the first person I saw doing it. I don't know if Austin um, could sort of vouch for that. Yeah, it's, he's, he's probably one of the first, Yeah, you know, on, that I could count on my fingers for sure. So, but, so nowadays people are looking at that as the first decision. You've worked with one coach for a long time and you yeah. yeah. moved to a new coach. Are there sort of differences between their approaches and anything that you'd recommend when people are saying to you, um, what coach should I go for? What should I be looking for in the coach? You know, how to pick a coach that suits you? Because obviously your first coach worked really well for you. And as is the case with yeah. things, and I always say this to my mm. clients, my goal is for you to not need me anymore. You, you do eventually outgrow the coach's knowledge and you require a mm. step up everyone does um and that should also be the coach's goal as a sort of entrance level coach what sort of things do you think you should be looking at and what have you experienced as well yeah okay um so from 13 to 16 i didn't have a coach and like i say going back to not using up your arsenal i think for the for the, for the first period of your sort of training um, journey is one needed bodybuilding is so simple it is really simple it's not easy but it's so simple eat in a surplus train progressively and just chill out like it it's really not that hard you go to a coach when you want a second eye or you you want obviously like you say that step up um so in terms of younger people, I would hold back at first, work out what sort of works best for you, experiment with yourself, like I've said. And um, when the time comes, especially for a show, like for a show, I would recommend absolutely getting a coach because mm -hmm. you don't want to go into a show, look terrible and then do the whole bodybuilding's crap sort of thing. Um, but I, I, I would put off getting a coach for as long as you can just because it, it just comes back to the you know keep all the tools in your arsenal sort of thing um and, and i'll always say that if, if someone ever messages me saying should i get a coach um can you recommend coaches and there are plenty of coaches that i could recommend um but do you really need one at this moment in time that is the question that you should be asking have you made the most of what you can do yourself um and then it's time to think about what your goals are whether you're going to remain natural for the rest of your life because there's certain ones that i would definitely point you towards um are you what are your goals if your goals are the olympia there's certain ones that point you towards if your goals are just to you know get ready for a photo shoot there's other people that you might recommend just due to the nature of some coaches um yeah it, it's, it's like like you both have said it's an, it it depends it very much depends yeah great answer i think you covered all the bases there and lastly if it's not too kind of hot seat for you what what is new in terms of your protocol with your new coach that you're excited for 
and think will maybe work in your favor move the yeah okay um so in, in terms of nutrition on a training day we've touched on this uh in in carbs gas i think but i think he's copying what, what i told him to do or something yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have brought him up on that yeah so um essentially it's on a training day prior i would have carbs you know leading up to it but now i am on a lot of pro fat meals and then there's no quote-unquote pre-workout meal it's sort of an intro that i'll start sipping on you know a little bit before the workout um and it so far it feels great like at first i was i think everyone thinks oh you need you need a bowl of oats before you train or something like that but it actually felt really good because i'm quite deep into my off season now calories are quite high and it was starting to like my pre-workout was starting to sort of sit in my stomach um whereas i've got um highly branched cyclic dextrin in my intra which obviously doesn't really it shouldn't aggravate most people showing during the sessions um so i think we're sort of going around that trying to optimize um insulin sensitivity which is really cool like i say because I've, I've been quite obsessed with trying to learn more about that um so carbs are sort of backloaded during the day uh, i've mentioned the training it's more specific to myself um and i i, I don't i don't really know it's more like I know at some point I will, with my goals, have to take it that step farther. But um, I am very confident with my new coach that, you know, that will be done in, in the best possible way, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. He um, he only consults with the best, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, good. Yeah, I think that's a really good, thorough explanation. Cool to hear that you're digging into a bit of like, nutrient timing i'll be interested to see how you find that because me and austin have have done literally episode upon episode for people on that kind of exact protocol because it i mean yeah. we both personally have found great use of it there are some people that do genuinely find an ergogenic effect from having carbohydrates pre-workout i'm unsure if that's physiological or, or psychological um yeah. and see a better body composition over time we literally covered it on the last podcast on we were talking about like metabolic adaptations and also metabolic flexibility mm. and how that I like I personally and Austin has also seen a great sort of potentiation in the amount of energy intake when you, or even the outcome in body composition when you push up in this manner where maybe yeah. you're consuming carbohydrates where you're most glucose sensitive and stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I was, I have had a few sessions bef before I started this sort of new nutrition protocol where after especially like a big uh, a big leg session i'd get in the car drive home and i'd sort of be shaking just because i was I, I probably wasn't hyper but it was sort of mimicking that sort of effect um just because I've, I've never really had i've never had an intro before i've never done that so yeah, you know that, that's like i say done. i'd never had that in my arsenal uh, i had that in my arsenal for for ages and now and finally putting it to use obviously i can't comment on it as of yet because i i've only really been doing it a week but it, like you say it'll be interesting to see what it does to my body body composition um but it's definitely feeling better in terms of digestion wise yeah i mean we've got more than enough anecdotal and um research-based evidence that a combination yeah. of amino acids and carbohydrates when performing 
um, glucose intensive activity or, or otherwise is both ergogenic and protects against things like muscle protein breakdown and things like this. So we know that it works. It's just pretty cool to see him see in practice, you know, and you can, yeah. really, you know, some people really take the piss with that intro. Like Austin's probably gone 200 carbon above. I know Scott's done like mega protein in his intro as well. I did. So the, the highest I went was like 75 grams of protein with like 250 carbs. Uh, <laughs> I do, I do 75 protein, 100 carb at the minute. Okay. Yeah. That, that yeah, I'm on, the, I'm on about 100 carb in my intro, which I would never have put in an intro. I'd have been like, no, that's way too much. But, you know, it seems to be working. <laughs> yeah, even yeah, it's just a... I, Go ahead. Like, I um, personally, last time I dieted and my calories got low enough that my carbohydrates were left only in the intro and I didn't touch it. And then I didn't eat any carbohydrates and I looked the best I'd ever looked. So, you know. Yeah. And it's just at the end of the day, it's just a means of just a means of getting in easily digestible carbohydrates that move through the GI at a good rate, right? I mean, it's not as long as you're using the right carbs, it's not like you're eating rice and potatoes during your workout. Yeah. yeah. High molecular weight. And and you know, right. the cell is most labile in that time. So yeah, partitioning is gonna be the highest. So it's all worth yep. it. Yep, yep. Okay, cool. Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on. Pimp yourself out and your social media and all that. <laughs> no, thank you so much for having me. I've really uh, enjoyed sort of a more intellectual conversation there. Um, yeah, so my name is Caitlin, H Caitlin underscore Hill. The A is an eight because someone else has the same name as me. Um, I'm going to have to change that at some point. But uh, yeah, that's my name. I do online coaching. Um, so if anyone is sort of uh, that younger bracket I uh, I would be more than happy to sort of take you on and my sort of style it's like like I say I'm not gonna throw the most um, researched evidence based at you I'm, I'm probably gonna make you do the basic movements send me a video if your form's crap I'll tell you and I'll make you do it and do it again until it's perfect so yeah if you if you want to get shouted at then uh, <laughs> <laughs> Straightforward, no bullshit coaching. Yeah, we need some more. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, so thank you everybody for listening. I'm going to put all of Caitlin's social media links in the description box below. On Facebook, it's going to be on the post if you found it. In iTunes, it'll be in the show notes. And on the website, just click on the podcast link itself and it will be on the episode notes below. Please do check out our sponsors that keep this podcast going. And unless Austin, you've got anything to add, we'll cut it there. No, that was good. That Sweet. Was great. Cheers, guys, for listening. See you next week. Thank you very much.